0: This podcast is for alcoholics that have a willingness to recover from their alcoholism by being taught and practicing the principles of the 12 steps as outlined in the Big Book and the 12 and 12 of Alcoholics Anonymous. My name is Ilya and I am an alcoholic. Page XIII, forward to first edition, first paragraph. We of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than one hundred men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. For them, we hope these pages will prove so convincing that no further authentication will be necessary. We think this account of our experiences will help everyone to better understand the alcoholic. Many do not comprehend that the alcoholic is a very sick person. And besides, we are sure that our way of living has its advantages for all. CHAPTER NINE OF THE BIG BOOK ALCOHOLICS ANONYMOUS, THE FAMILY Afterward. THIRD FULL PARAGRAPH CESSATION OF DRINKING IS BUT THE FIRST STEP AWAY FROM A HIGHLY STRAINED ABNORMAL CONDITION. A DOCTOR SAID TO US, YEARS OF LIVING WITH AN ALCOHOLIC IS ALMOST SURE TO MAKE ANY WIFE OR CHILD NEUROTIC the entire family is to some extent ill. Let families realize as they start their journey that all will not be fair weather. Each in his turn may be foot sore and may straggle. There will be alluring shortcuts and bypaths down which they may wander and lose their way. So I started with that paragraph Uh, because the first sentence is the most important. Cessation of drinking is but the first step away from a highly strained abnormal condition. So it's clear, even if we understand this program and we're practicing it to the best of our ability, we still went through quite an experience for the last several years of our lives. Uh, For some, it was 50 years, even others. It was 30 years, 20 years of uh, a highly abnormal strained condition. Uh, And when you stop drinking, uh, it doesn't mean that the family is going to be uh, in good health after uh, a very, very long war with alcohol. Uh, so, uh, we have to understand that anyone who was exposed to the alcoholic uh, is going to be neurotic. He uses that word. Um, whether it's the child, the wife, the husband, the aunt, the uncle, whoever's in the home, um, is going to be affected by secondhand alcoholism uh, of the individual who. Uh, caused such a difficult strain on the whole household. Um, there's not going to be uh, an immediate sense of, uh, of release from this uh, history. And uh, fair weather is not going to be the conditions throughout the journey uh, ahead to repair the damage uh, that the family endured. Over the course of many years living with an alcoholic um, and he does say that there will be alluring shortcuts and bypaths uh, which we'll get into uh, in a moment. but uh, the reason that I uh, and I explained why I'm doing this podcast in the prior uh, one in a vision for you was because there are going to be people in our lives after we stop drinking that uh, only remember us as alcoholics, active alcoholics, and uh, they are going to have expectations that are unrealistic and it can get people resentful and angry after the individual starts their program of recovery. Uh, so uh, let's read now the beginning of the, uh, of the uh, chapter, the two paragraphs before what I just read, in order to tie that together. Now when I read, remember that this was written in the 1930s and society has changed, the English, use of the English language has changed, the family structure has changed. Uh, relationships have changed Uh, so so please consider that but the uh, the meat in this message is still just as relevant then as it is now so please consider that when i read first paragraph on 122 our women folk have suggested certain attitudes a wife may take with the husband who is recovering Perhaps they created the impression that he is to be wrapped in cotton wool and placed on a pedestal. Successful readjustment means the opposite. All members of the family should meet upon the common ground of tolerance, understanding and love. This involves a process of deflation. The alcoholic, his wife, his children, his in-laws, each one is likely to have fixed ideas about the family's attitude towards himself or herself. Each is interested in having his or her wishes respected. We find the more one member of the family demands that the other concede to him, the more resentful they become. This makes for discord and unhappiness. And why? Is it not because each wants to play the bleed? Is is not each trying to arrange the family show to his liking? Is he not unconsciously trying to see what he can take from the family life rather than give? So the whole family, again, is affected by this illness. And if they are to stay together, uh, there is going to have to be an understanding that tolerance, love, and patience uh, is going to be uh, necessary by all parties involved. Um, And uh, egos are going to inflate. uh, And therefore, we need to um, understand that... uh, the non-alcoholics in the household are also going to have demands and expectations of the alcoholic, and as well as the uh, alcoholic himself is going to have expectations and demands of the non-alcoholics. So uh, each person is again trying to arrange the fo- the show, the family. And where did we read about all of that? We read about that and how it works. So if you... Uh, Go back to how it works. You can read the bottom of uh, 60 into 61, which talks about the uh, the first paragraph on the bottom of 60 leading into 61, talks about the, the ego, on how everybody wants to run the show. Uh, that doesn't change. Uh, the alcoholic is going to be uh, desiring control, and the family feels as if now the alcoholic owes them. uh, And so they're gonna want control as well. And that can lead to many of a resentment. And what did we say about resentments? Resentments are killers. A resentment will lead an alcoholic back where? Back out. So if we don't understand that the program must continue on after we stopped the cessation of drinking Um, we're going to get resentful again, and we're going to get sick, and we're going to go back out. That's why this program is a life program. So, uh, we will also want to keep in mind, in my experience, I should say, why don't I talk about that? In my experience, uh, I certainly uh, tried to learn this program. Uh, as fast as I could because I wanted to get to the end. Um, that was my thinking. As soon as I did all 12 steps, I'd be cured and uh, I could get along on with my life. Now, this was an early recovery when I didn't understand the disease. I didn't understand that there was no cure. Uh, and I thought that once I paid my dues with the steps, um, then I could you know, be rewarded for doing something that most non-alcoholic people don't even do. So that makes me um, important again. And uh, um, being important and superior is a symptom of my disease. Uh, that, so I had to understand that uh, this is ego deflation. So my ego naturally tried to, you know, this is the cunning part of the disease, um, tried to figure out ways to regain control um, and get what it wants. And that's, that's ego puncturing. Um, now I'm back in six and seven. Where I have to understand that um, if I'm deflating my ego, uh, I'm going to have to practice steps s- step six and seven, which is packed into step 10. Uh, and there are many events in which I lose my way and do what it says here and take shortcuts and bypaths, which means no steps. And so uh, in my experience, I, ha- I had a, uh, <clears throat> a problem with my family life. Uh, I came home um and actually uh wanted to uh control the people I live with and uh get back on my feet financially and uh not drink but yet be a power figure uh if anything if I didn 't get that you know a little prestige a little money in my pocket um, i 'd go into the poor me's. And uh, I could go right back into my disease through self-pity just as easily as resentment. So what is one, you know, what, what, what was I to do? You know, I was a resentful person or I was in self-pity. Uh, and that's why the steps are so important because without the help of my higher power, I'm not able to remove those resentments and that self-pity. Um, and nor can I wish them away by taking a shortcut. We learned about that as well. We couldn't wish resentments away any more than alcohol. Same with self-pity. So the only way that I could break down my ego was through the step process, the recovery process. Not my program, but this program. But uh, my ego was truly put to the test when um, no more alcohol was in my veins. And I had to... uh, Resettle into family and work life and conditions that I thought were unfair. That I was uh, that these these responsibilities were beneath me, and uh, there were jobs that I didn't want to do. Uh, there were uh, people that I did not want to associate with, and I was very bored. And uh, I didn't see the point in uh, living like an average mediocre person. Uh, so uh, I started having fantasies and delusions about what I was entitled to. And what had ended up happening is I got sick in my mind again. But I spent a lot of time uh, just doing what I can. Going to meetings uh, was important. Carrying this message uh, was a great way and is, r- remains to be a great way of getting my mind off of those delusions and illusions of grandeur uh and uh, quite honestly you know i had to realize the facts that i did burn my life to the ground Um, i gave up many opportunities uh, because of my disease uh, and my thinking Uh, and so uh, now that uh, those are gone and i'm in my 40s i you know i'm not going to be advanced uh, in family life or financial status or job uh, title because my, you know, friends and family who are non-alcoholic have all moved on with their lives years ago and didn't drink like I did and uh, think like I did. And uh, now they're in a place that took them years to get to. And of course, what does the alcoholic want? As soon as the dust is clear, they see uh, what I could have had. I see what I could have had. And now I don't. And it just seems too big of a project to try to make up 25 years of of irresponsibility um, in a couple of years uh, at the time. So it just seemed too big. I was older. I said it's pointless anyway. I'd thrown all those years away. All those years were the years I was supposed to do it. Now I can't. So those are conditions I can't change, right? I can't change my age. Um, I have to accept my age. These are the types of things I have to accept. Truly things I cannot change. Not accepting things that uh, I can. If, I, if I'm accepting things I can change, I'm going to get sicker. Because uh, I use my, uh, that serenity prayer as an excuse not to change things I can. Um, I'm in trouble because there are a lot of situations that um, I could have removed myself from and been just fine, uh, but I decided not to, and I wanted my character defects removed anyway. Uh, No, my higher power was like, look, I'm giving you the option to leave this situation that you're in, so leave it. That's how you're going to remove your character defects. And if that means that you're living with a family member that uh, continues to punish and hurt you, Uh, and you can't move on or recreate your life because they keep you down then uh, if you think you're gonna change them you're sorely mistaken Uh, and I'm not saying that you know you should leave your family after you get sober but everyone's family is different and uh, if they're not there to support your recovery and they want revenge uh, now that you're sober uh, you may want to consider moving away Um, or you may stay and uh, suffer and drink again. I don't know. Uh, this is obviously all uh, things you need to discuss with your sponsor, but each case needs to be uh, analyzed accordingly. In my case, I had a supportive family, and uh, I wanted to stay, and you know, I was lucky in that area, but um, I still was not satisfied. I was not content. I was very discontent um, and at times restless and irritable as well. Um, I can still get like that uh, and it's, it, it's the, the future uh, can seem very scary um, once some t- enough time has gone by and your past is gone and you've cleaned the wreckage up but yet you have no idea um, how to recreate your life and uh, that's where the program just is just as powerful as it was when you let go of your old life Uh, you need to trust it even more so or just as much that you can recreate your new life Uh, but it does again require cooperation and work and you need to take risks and chances and take opportunities that you may not have otherwise wanted to uh, because your ego thinks you're better than that. Uh, so I had to take a job that I thought, I, I, you know, in my past I was much, much less prestigious. I mean... Um, it, 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 it's the equivalent of being, you know, wearing a suit and tie to work um, and getting paid well to, you know, working at a uh, fast food restaurant. And I, I just felt like such a loser. Um, and I knew that this had to happen. Um, you know, I, I needed time to just do what I had to do um, in order to pay bills because that's reality. And I also had to, uh, you know, work my program and going back to or even trying to go back to a quick uh, career uh, that would pay me well right away, which I couldn't even get if I wanted to, uh, by the way. But even if I had gone back to um, my old job setting, um, I would get very, you know, disturbed by uh, the demands of it. And I wasn't ready to accept those demands, uh, which the job required, and I could end up drinking again. So, if you, you know, my point is, is that, um, and you're, and the people out there listening may not like this, but you know, if you have to be, you know, and there's nothing, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying this is a bad job, but you know, some of you may have these jobs, you know, like, you know, if you're, if you have to be a janitor. And no offense to any janitors that's listening. It's a very, you know, any any good, any work uh, done well is a good job, okay? So don't take this um, personally. But if you have to be a janitor, if you have to work as a, uh, a maid, if you have to work as a dog walker, and in comparison, you were, you know, working uh, at a corporation or had your own business, were uh, a doctor or a lawyer or had some, job of prestige and you've got to go do these other things I just mentioned then yes you know this is part of your recovery process Um, not as punishment but it it is the consequences of uh, your disease uh, and you need to to rest assured that these jobs are good for you uh, because what they'll end up doing if that's what you have to do is give you a sense of uh of work ethic and appreciation for your life, uh, which you are getting a second chance. And more importantly, it gives you the time to focus on your recovery and not have demands beyond just doing a simple task. Um, When you have a complex job, an important prestigious job, there are going to be character defects that are easily activated and illusions and delusions that, uh, will trigger you back to alcohol, and you're going to lose that job again, and you're probably going to end up in worse shape than you were before your last relapse or before your last recovery. Um, so, uh, keep in mind that, uh, this isn't, uh, you know, a test or a a game. This is your life, and, uh, you have to do things you don't want to do. Um, and, uh, that's just been my experience. But, um, you know, there are lots of people out there um, who are non-alcoholic who hold the same jobs that I just mentioned. And that's why I say um, these are, you know, any job is a good job if done with uh, dignity and, uh, and, 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 and and good ethics. So um, it doesn't matter um, what the position is. It just matters what uh, you're comparing it to. Um, in any case, uh, So I had to work uh, really hard at a job I didn't want to do. um, And now uh, there are some opportunities that are presenting themselves that uh, may be a better fit for me um, and that I'm ready for. And so by praying for uh, God's will, um, God will either keep me where I'm supposed to be, um, which sometimes may be to do nothing and just be patient or it may be that um, I may take on a new career path that I could have never dreamed of. But if I try to force uh, myself into jobs that I uh, aren't good for me and I know that they're not, um, I'm probably going to relapse. In any event, um, that was my experience with that. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about um, that as well in a moment. But um, if we turn to page, um, 124 uh, and go to the second full paragraph. We'll read uh, that. This painful past may be of infinite value to other families still tr- struggling with their problem. We think each family which has been relieved owes something to those who have not, and when the occasion requires, each member of it should be only too willing to bring former mistakes, no matter how grievous, out of their hiding places. Showing others who suffer how we were given help is the very thing which makes life seem so worthwhile to us now. Cling to the thought that, in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession you have. The key to life and happiness for others, with it, you can avert death and misery for them. So, again, um, I've mentioned why I do this podcast, why I go to meetings, and why I carry this message. Um, and why I share my experience um, within reason with the general public uh, without getting into too specific, uh, you know, there's no need for names and, 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 <laughs> and locations and whatnot. But um, I think you can all identify with what I just shared. And by sharing that, um, I can hopefully, you can hopefully identify with uh, what you may be going through as well and understand that you're not alone. There are other people who uh, feel the same way that you do, or did feel the same way that you do. And uh, my uh, helpfulness by having that same experience is not to hide my past and just preach the program um, without giving you any uh, insight into my history. Because if I don't give any insight to my drinking history or my former mistakes that got me here, um, no matter how grievous. Uh, and take them, as it says here, out of their hiding places. Um, I can't show others who suffer uh, how I was given help, um, as it says here, uh, and the very thing which makes life so worthwhile to me now. Uh, Even if I feel like I'm getting a raw deal, and I am not getting rewarded financially, romantically, or socially, which I'm not, Uh, by doing any of this at all. (laughs) When I say I'm not, I mean I am not Um, at this point in my life. I don't know if I ever, you know, will again even. I don't sit here with uh, a boat, a car, and a plane in, you know, and and a big mansion uh, easily carrying this message. Um, I am comfortable enough to where my needs are met, and that's what my higher power provides me with my needs not what I want and there's a big difference between what I need and what I want I'm sitting in a safe place in a safe room with people around that love me and care about me food on the table and gas in the car I do have and I can freely go where I want that's what I need um, and God has provided if you're listening to this podcast in other conditions um then God is providing you with what you need. Um, What I need and what you need are two different things. Um, What I want is also different than what I need. Those are two different things. And my higher power is the only one who can be the judge of that. So uh, what I can provide is my experience, strength, and hope, and not uh, just teach the program without... Uh, casting out some of my grievous actions and behaviors and former mistakes so you can identify that um, I'm one of you as well. Because I didn't want to listen to anybody who was going to tell me uh, the directions of this program without uh, sharing something about their history as well because uh, it just seems as if they're uh, being self-centered and trying to make me work a program so they don't have to. um, Which isn't what this is all about Um, so um, continuing um, if you go to page uh, 125 um, and look at the um, second full paragraph towards the um, middle of the page above principle we observe carefully is that we do not relate intimate experiences of another person unless we are sure he would approve We find it better, when possible, to stick to our own stories. A man may criticize or laugh at himself, and it will affect others favorably. But criticism or ridicule coming from another often produces the contrary effect. Members of a family should watch such matters carefully, for one careless, inconsiderate remark has been known to raise the very devil. We alcoholics are sensitive people. It takes some of us a long time to outgrow that serious handicap that sentence i have underlined uh, the last one uh, we are very sensitive people and uh, it can take a whole lifetime to outgrow a serious handicap like emotional sensitivity um, remember in the 12 and 12 the psychiatrists came to the conclusion that we all uh, share three qualities or um, three attributes they're not qualities uh, and they are uh, childishness emotionally sensitive and grandiose Um, it is a takes a long time for all three of those um, to outgrow those serious handicaps now i'm not saying that you shouldn't you know be in touch with your inner child or that you can't have goals Um, but when they're um, extraordinarily childish and inappropriate and uh, grandiosity is more of a delusion and an illusion or a fantasy Uh, and a pipe dream and emotional sensitivity where every little thing somebody does ticks you off. Um, Yes, we take those emotions to those extremes. But uh, he's saying that, you know, when you share your experience, strength and hope, it's yours to give. Uh, It's not your right to give other experiences of other alcoholics or other people, for that matter, to another. Those are their stories to give, not yours. And if somebody confides in you and tells you something that um, is uh, in, in confidence, and you go around criticizing or ridiculing them, um, especially to other people, um, they should watch out. You should watch out because that alcoholic's probably going to get furious. Um, and uh, if you're a family member, uh, and they may have talked to you about it casually, doesn't mean that it gives you permission to uh, to discuss that uh, that information with another person or laugh about them um, behind their back or in front of them. So uh, keep that in mind. Um, so. Uh, Another thing that uh, one should expect is the alcoholic uh, grandiosity. So if you go to the next paragraph on that same page, 125, it says, many alcoholics are enthusiasts. They run to extremes. At the beginning of recovery, a man will take as a rule one of two directions. He may either plunge into a frantic attempt to get on his feet in business, or he may be so enthralled by his new life that he talks or thinks of little else. In either case, certain family problems will arise. With these, we have had experience galore. So next he talks about, you know, the person who runs into headstrong um, economic issues. Uh, That can be uh, very, very dangerous. They feel like they need to catch up with all of the money that they've spent and lost. Um, They can become very miserly, um, as they used to be very, uh, very... um, They used to throw money around Um, so now that they're not throwing money around when they're drunk uh, they become the other extreme and go miserly and then they want to collect every penny and go headstrong into or headlong as Bill says in the next paragraph into recuperating their financial losses Um, that can be extraordinarily dangerous it takes a long time to rebuild Uh, an entire career and they may actually go another direction and build a whole different career and never um, have the same money that they did before Um, so it says on page 127 in the first full paragraph the head of the house ought to remember that he is mainly to blame for what befell his home he can scarcely square the account in his lifetime but he must see the danger of over concentration on financial excess although financial recovery is on the way for many of us we have found we could not place money first for us material well-being always followed spiritual progress it never preceded. And so we read about that uh, when we were in step 12 of the 12 and 12, that what happens when we put the cart before the horse, which is our base instincts, which one of which is financial, uh, before our spiritual recovery. Um, we get disillusioned and we're headed for trouble. Um, and now that we uh, are sober and working uh, on our financial endeavors again, we can take them to extremes and, uh, and fall off uh, the recovery very, very easily and go back to drinking um, as a result when things don't go our way. So uh, it is important to see that uh, we uh, have to be very careful um, what we need to continue to do. One, remember, keep it simple. One, we need to trust God. Two, we need to clean house. And three, we need to help others that's what we should be doing when we um finally understand this program and begin to practice it Um, this isn't a program that you can just understand and classify yourself as an expert first thing you need to do is understand it but you need to go through it just like you needed to go through your first year of recovery you need to go through the first 10 years of your recovery and uh... You know, it takes a long time to uh, finally change. Um, My sponsor used to say, and this isn't in the book, but in his experience, um, that it took five years to gain awareness of the program and his disease. It took another five years to accept his disease and the program, the solution. And then another five years to take action and really work the program as outlined. That's 15 years of uh, you know uh, composed of awareness, acceptance, and action. Now I'm not saying that he didn't take any action in the first five years or have any acceptance. He's not suggesting that either. But it took. You still had to go through in your subconscious. The uh, the awareness takes five years in your subconscious to understand this work. And then it takes another five years in your subconscious to accept it. Uh, There's a lot to accept in here just because you understand this literature and the disease as it's outlined and the solution as it's outlined does not make you a uh, practicing expert whatsoever. In fact, you still don't even realize you don't accept everything it says in this book. Um, And you've forgotten quite a great deal. So when you accept it, uh, you can get sad and depressed and frustrated. And acceptance is a very, very difficult part of this recovery process. In the beginning, it was because you were about to die or you hit an emotional bottom, so you had no choice. But when you're five years in and you start to realize that you've got a long way to go in accepting it um, on the inside even further now that you know, you're know you far away from your last hangover and your last drunk, um, it can be very difficult and you can get sidetracked very, very easily thinking you're not an alcoholic after all. Um, Maybe it's not as bad as you once thought. Um, You know, you were just uh, partying too hard and all of these illusions and delusions start coming back into the mind and you realize, wow, you don't even accept your disease. Um, And now, you know, you're abandoning the solution because your solution is now Regaining power, money, and sex, power in the family, financial power and money. And then, you know, whatever sex life that you think you should have uh, starts to dominate and run the show. Uh, And then that's what, you know, remember remember what the uh, destructive cause of our drinking was. We learned that in step four in the 12 and 12, that instincts uh, out of whack are the underlying cause of our destructive drinking. And uh, that's the problem with us. Uh, we actually want to live life. Uh, to be truthful, I want to have a very full life. So full that I think I'm being cheated when I don't have enough power, money, and sex. And I think, why Why can't I? What's wrong with that? You know, I just, you know, I'm in this world. I'm bored. Um, I see people on TV and, uh, you know, seemingly around me having a great time. Uh, there's more millionaires and billionaires than ever. Um, why can't I be one of them? You know, and uh, people, especially with trust funds and, and it handed to them, it just seems all so unfair. But um, I have to re- remember that you know, I don't live in a fair world. Um, who you're born to is just as much as a lottery as you know anything. Um, and some people who have these entitlements when they're born um, are some of the most miserable people you'll ever meet in your life. Uh, So we have to remember that, uh, you know, I have a friend that is very privileged and very sick um, and I don't want what he has, but my disease is still jealous at times that, wow, that son of a bitch has all that money and he's wasting his life. Why do I have to do this spiritual stuff? And he doesn't, you know, and uh, I can't, again, my disease wants to compare myself to other people. And these are the, these are the, 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 the trappings uh, of the cunningness of my disease it just continues to hammer at me um, and try to get me to uh, to be miserable based on what I do not have Um, do I want a useful contented life yes I really do Um, is it good enough no it's not Um, and until it is good enough um, I'm not going to be happy now, that doesn't mean that it's never good enough, um, and I'm not saying it's not good enough in this moment. I'm talking about the experiences of, I've had that can lead me back to a drink. I actually have a very tranquil mind at the moment, otherwise I wouldn't be putting out this podcast in, in this, in, at this time. Um, I don't want to put out, a, put out a podcast, but I have to be transparent about when I think negatively and how I think versus what the program does for me when I don't think things are as bad. But don't get me wrong. There are times where um, I feel very, very um, much like the victim. And I wish I didn't. Um, I'm aware of it. Uh, but I just still have a hard time at times accepting that I'm not the victim. And it seems like it's so real that I am the victim. And then my family gets the brunt of that. And if they don't understand that, I'm going to be, you know, uh, sick again if they want me to be the old guy I used to be and expect me to be who I once was or make as much money as I used to or that I owe them, you know, um, uh, high spirits and high elation. Um, They're not reading this book, and they should. They should read the chapter to wives and the family afterward. You should be showing them that. Um, so they can understand and maybe even get them to go to an Al-Anon meeting, um, which is for people who are, you know, family members of recovered alcoholics who are affected by this disease. Because remember, they got sick as well. They got sick because of us. They have secondhand alcoholism and it has affected them. Um, so we have to remember that this is not, again, an overnight matter. Um, it takes a long time for us to, uh, to uh, recover as well as the family, and our old thinking can uh, and ambitions can uh, reactivate our character defects. Um, so we uh, have to work the program. Um, if you go to uh, the bottom of 127, last paragraph it says, as each member of a resentful family begins to see his shortcomings and admits them to the others, he lays bases for helpful discussion. These family talks will be constructive if they can be carried on without heated argument, self-pity, self-justification, or resentful criticism. Little by little, mother and children will see they ask too much, and father will see he gives too little. Giving rather than getting will become the guiding principle. So when we work this uh, program in the family, not just in an AA meeting giving lip service, uh, we have to uh, try to get all the family members on board um, and have healthy discussions and remove our defects of character uh, if you know we can, with the help of our higher power, obviously, but then the family needs to try to do that too. Um, they're sick because of us and so if they're not willing and they just want to point the finger and you know and and have no discussion that's uh void of uh heated arguments self-pity self-justification or resentful criticism it's just going to make it worse um so we have to all accept our part in the recovery and the healing of the family uh dynamic so uh, that really is uh, extremely important. So if you're lucky enough to have a family or a significant other or whoever it is, um, great. If you don't, then even even easier. Then you can, you know, you and your higher power, uh, if you have them, the higher power in your life, you're never alone. And your higher power will help you recreate your life with uh, maybe somebody new, maybe not, but you won't feel alone and uh, I will be done, whatever the, the outcome is for you. Uh, but, you know, the family afterward can also just as easily read relationships afterward. Unless you're living in the woods, uh, in, a, you know, in a cabin by yourself, uh, there are still going to be other people in your life. Uh, so we have to, uh, you know, work with those people um, just the same as if it was a wife or a child or a husband or any other close relative. Um, Now if we go to um, isolation, we'll remember that on page 131 there's a paragraph that says drinking isolates most homes from the outside world. Father may have laid aside for years all normal activities, clubs, civic duties, sports. When he renews interest in such things a feeling of jealousy may arrive. The family may feel they hold a mortgage on dad so big that no equity could be left for, for outsiders. Instead of developing new channels of activity for themselves, mother and children demand he stay home and make up the deficiency. Now, uh, again, you know, that's the expectations of the family. They expect him to stay home. He owes us. Um, we have a mortgage on 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 the alcoholic because uh, they they owe us now. Uh, we're cashing in, and so now you know the husband or whoever it is the alcoholic needs to go out and he may want you know needs to get involved with AA and other things. He even says clubs, civic duties, sports, you know things that he enjoyed um, that feeds his soul. And if the family's jealous of that. And now they think that the you know father is a possession, or the alcoholic is a possession. Then, 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 what you know? You think that that alcoholic is going to be happy about that? Absolutely not. Um, and the family's not going to get what they want, even if you know they're he's unhappy or not. is besides the point. Um, so I would not uh, you know uh, expect your family to rule you. Um, or give them the carte blanche to do so, because you feel like you have to be uh, scraping and servile. Now, remember, you're making amends to people that are reasonable. It is unreasonable for your family to ask you to be something that you're not, or to be who you used to be. Um, we are not servile or scraping before anyone when we make amends, and that is servile and scraping if the alcoholic surrenders to the will of the family, and... Uh, in that manner so when you're a recovered alcoholic you may feel as if you owe them um, the unowable and they may feel that way too and you're both being what dishonest it's a character defect on both sides at that point and you don't even know the true from the false because your morality is getting in the way with reality um so um continuing Uh, Page 131. At the very beginning, the couple ought to frankly face the fact that each will have to yield here and if the family is going to play an effective part in the new life, father will necessarily spend much time with other alcoholics, but this activity should be balanced. New acquaintances who know nothing of alcoholism might be made and thoughtful consideration given their needs. The problem of the community might engage attention. Though the family has no religious connections, they may wish to make contact with or take membership in a religious body. So Bill's giving a suggestion if they have religious connections, uh, then there are other, you know, bodies that you can be a part of, uh, clubs, again. Uh, If you are uh, balanced in your AA life, um, then it's okay. Uh, if he's just spending all day in a meeting uh, and not and neglecting his family, then that's not balance. And that's not okay. And if somebody is just spending all their time in a meeting, um, then there's a problem. They're not working the program. They're hiding out in the rooms. And uh, that is not something that uh, this book considers a recovered alcoholic. Okay, so um, continuing on. we are going to read on. Uh, Alcoholics who have derided religious people will be helped by such contacts. Being possessed of a spiritual experience, the alcoholic will find he has much in common with these people, though he may differ with them on many matters. If he does not argue about religion, he will make new friends and is sure to find new avenues of usefulness and pleasure. Now that's good advice for any uh, alcoholic in the meetings or out, uh, not to argue about religion. Um, we are here to be spiritual, and a religious body is a fellowship as well, um, with their own uh, with their own big book called the Bible or the Koran. But nonetheless, uh, it is a fellowship. Continuing, he and his family can be a bright spot in such congregations. He may bring new hope and new courage to many a priest, minister, rabbi who gives his all to minister to our troubled world. We intend the four going as a helpful suggestion only so far as we are concerned there is nothing obligatory about it as non-denominational people we cannot make up others minds for them each individual consults his own conscience each individual should consult his own conscience so if you don't want to you know indulge in a religious fellowship um it's saying bill's saying again we intend the. we we, we intend the foregoing as a helpful suggestion only. So far as we are concerned, meaning the fellowship of AA, there is nothing obligatory about it. As non-denominational people, we cannot make up others' minds for them. So I've said this in many other podcasts, you know, religion is not uh, a requirement in AA. It's only if you want to go back to your denomination or stay in it Uh, But we do need to understand that um, once we work this program, and if we do work this program, our belief system about the teachings in our religions are going to change. Um, Because if they worked before uh, we joined AA, we would never have been in AA in the first place. And that's that's a fact. Um, So, you know, rabbis, even priests and ministers have been in AA too. Um, so if their religion worked in and of itself, uh, they would never need this program and you wouldn't even be listening to this podcast. Um, and that paragraph is um, on 130 um, because people can be wooed back into religious beliefs that they realized were not the truth for them in their own conscience and uh, end up sick again. Um 1 Thessalon 1.30, first full paragraph, those who have spent much time in the world of spiritual make-believe have eventually seen the childishness of it. This dream world has been replaced by a great sense of purpose accompanied by a growing consciousness of the power of God in our lives. We have come to believe he would like us to keep our heads in the clouds with him, but that our feet ought to be firmly planted on earth. That is where our fellow travelers are, and that is where our work must be done. These are the realities for us. We have found nothing incompatible between a powerful spiritual experience and a life of sane and happy usefulness. Um, so, an spiritual experience is within, um, is what that means. Um, and it's not a external God, which all religions believe in. Um, so, or most do, I should say. Um, the Western ones, at least. So, uh That is uh, extraordinarily important. If you are recovered and you have had an inner God uh, awaken in you and now you're being told by your religious body, no, God is without, with a beard in the clouds and he's punishing, Um, and you are now sinning because you don't believe that, Um, that is another way that you could end up drinking again. Um, And I've seen people do it. So it says here, each individual should consult his own conscience. All right, uh so moving on um i, I just to say you know i didn 't have a huge religious upbringing. I was raised religiously um, it doesn 't matter what it was because it creates bias uh, when i 'm talking in a podcast, uh, but it was religious, uh, and I certainly um, w- was raised that way, but never really felt as one with that God. I knew there was a God and higher power, but just not that one. The way they described it as external and outside and you know kind of like a external punishing it felt external and punishing i don't know how else to say it um so you know there was a lot of spiritual talk in my books uh, of religious texts but there was also a lot of history and dogma and things i didn't really identify with but now that i've worked this program i can easily see the spiritual uh versus the dogma in the religious texts so there's nothing wrong with participating in a congregation and knowing the difference. And then others will say, oh, wow, look what God did for you. And they'll believe it's an external God who did it, you know, and there's nothing you can say to them that's going to change your mind. But, you know, you can just thank them and and love them and and leave it at that. You don't have to prove a point everywhere you go. Um, Because that's just you being prejudiced against religious people and judging religious people. And that's your disease talking, to be quite honest. Um, and I'm guilty of that or have been, but now I know because I learned from my mistakes and, you know, being prejudiced. I learned that also there were times where I was prejudiced against prejudiced people. (laughs) You think that that would make sense and that'd be all right, but it's not, you know, if someone's blatantly prejudiced, um, and I'm on my high horse and I'm going, oh, well, you're prejudiced. So you are a terrible person and how could you be? I don't like you. You're an awful person because you're prejudiced. Well, that's anger too. That's judging as well. They are who they are. They believe what they believe and I shouldn't be prejudiced against them. Um, They are going to think what they're going to think. I cannot open a closed mind. I don't have that power. Um, So in any event, we'll move on to page 133. Um, We're going to look at the uh, first full paragraph. It says, now about health. A body badly burned by alcohol does not often recover overnight, nor do twisted thinking and depression vanish in a twinkling. We are convinced that a spiritual mode of living is a most powerful health restorative. We who have recovered from serious drinking are miracles of mental health, but we have seen remarkable transformations in our bodies. Hardly one of our crowd no-shows any mark of dissipation. So, You know, I I have to remember that I have a mental disease. Um, We have recovered from serious drinking our miracles of mental health. So Bill, again, is saying that, you know, the main problem of uh, the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than his body. But my body does recover very quickly. Um, There's hardly any marks of dissipation in the the, uh, fellowship, even when they wrote this book back in the, you know, late thirties uh they're uh to the eye uh one would be like who didn't know that what they looked like or who they were before they were in the program um would think that they're just absolutely normal everyday people uh which is which is a miracle um but it doesn't happen overnight um a body and a mind doesn't uh twinkle in a vanishing as he says um depression stays, Um, our character defects will remain for a while and it takes takes a long time for some of us to get rid of other things than someone else, but we're all going to have our own trials and tribulations uh, when it comes to certain aspects of our character flaws and our attitudes and we just can only compare our old selves to our new selves, not to someone else. Um, And uh, that is uh, the thing about health is when you're new and you just, let's say, go to the gym or run or ride your bike, you know, your your uh, physical body comes back much quicker than your twisted thinking, um, especially your emotions. Uh, don't think that because you have clarity and you're seeing all of a sudden in uh, in beautiful colors are all back and you know you just everything's more bright and you're thinking uh, your reading skills are better and you know you're better at work that's not mental uh, necessarily that that it is mental but it's more your brain um, waves are moving quicker Um, but emotional sobriety uh, is uh, is is depression okay and that doesn't that doesn't twinkle over a way overnight Um, So keep that in mind. Uh, So uh, we have to understand that, you know, we're going to be who we're going to be, who our our creator our higher power wants to change us into or who we were to become. Remember, humility, a sincere attempt to become who we could be um, is what our higher power wants us to be and why we were put on this earth is up to our higher power and if we're unblocked from our ego uh and the higher power has a channel to us we can um carry out god's will for us on this planet and another thing you have to remember is that other people also exist and they have egos and some of them are in them to an extreme and others are in their god's will and we may not like it either one but um at the bottom of the page of 135, it says we have three apropos, um and mottos. Uh, first things first, live and let live, and easy does it. And those are the three of the pros or mottos that you see on a lot of the meeting room walls. You know, and that comes from this chapter, those three. First things first, spirituality needs to come first. Your program needs to come first. You need to accept your disease and work this program. Otherwise, everything, every ambition, Every, you know, thing you think you need, you want isn't going to happen anyway. Um, and so you have to work this program to see, and differentiate the true from the false. So you can even make good choices and decisions in life. Live and let live, you know, other people exist. Live your life, let them live theirs. If they're affecting you in a negative way and being harmful, more than helpful, then you have a choice to stay or go. That's on you. That's not their fault. They are who they are. Live and let live. And if you can't make good choices and decisions because you're in fear that uh, you're not going to have a roof over your head, but they're tearing you apart on the inside, then you need to trust your higher power that moving out may be the right decision. If they're being more helpful and not hurting you on the inside, but you want your own freedom and you want your own place so you can have men and women come over so you can have a great sex life again, um, then maybe you should pray for your higher power to remove your character defects and stay where you're at because now you're putting your instincts before your spiritual growth. So it can go either direction. Um, Only you can decide that when you work the 12 steps, which is the best fit for you and your recovery. Um, But either way, uh, other people are who they are and you are going to be who you are. Uh, The question is, are you going to be in your disease or in the solution? Um, And lastly, easy does it. You know, wear your program like a loose garment, like my sponsor used to say. One of my sponsors used to say that. I really like that. It doesn't mean be so casual that you don't really care what's going on around you. It means that don't be so uptight and fearful uh, about the future and uh, worried about making amends and uh, getting everything perfect. Things are never gonna be perfect. You're never even gonna have a perfect day. You may have an almost perfect day, but I guarantee you will never have a perfect day. There will always be something that you did incorrectly um, that you can do better the next day. But my point is, is that continue to do the work, but easy on yourself. Um, Do is the verb in there, does means do. Um, but take it easy on yourself. Um, it doesn't mean take it so easy that you kick up your feet and wait for everything to happen for you instead of going out there and taking risks and trying to, uh, being open to making mistakes so you can l- grow and learn from them. Um, and that's that's not easy to do, but you need to do it. Um, so in any event, uh, I did this extra podcast because uh I've seen people who work this program and then expect their old lives to come back and then they don't and then they realize wow I really didn't give up my past. I don't accept the future um on God's terms. Um and they are impatient and uh start controlling uh, and criticizing and judging and manipulating people all over again without realizing it. And the spirituality they once obtained in the rooms, uh, which you could call a pink cloud or the newness of the program, whatever it is, um, wears off and then uh, people sit on a bar stool going, why didn't this work? Um, Because you stopped doing it. Or you got rich again uh, and stopped doing it. Either way, uh, rich or not, Uh, you stop doing it. So uh, that's it. Uh, I hope this was helpful Uh, for everybody out there. This is the bonus podcast. Um, I'm not going to be online here doing these. Uh, I've pretty much gone through the whole program, Um, but I will, uh, you know, maybe add things or change podcasts. Um, Others may give me some uh, suggestions or advice. I may redo a fourth step podcast, but, the framework of this of this uh, podcast is all there, steps one through twelve and the family afterward now and uh, if I listen to let's say a fourth step podcast and I think that I can put out a better one i'll replace that in its same spot on on the uh, on the uh, on the menu if you will. You want to call it that—the the, the twelve-step menu. I may I may redo the redo the, the 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 talk, but it'll be on the same thing. And maybe that's how I'll improve uh, this over time. So when new people find it, uh, they'll have the best explanation and examination of the steps. But for now, um, let's see what happens. Um, you are always more than welcome to send me an email, and don't forget about the Dropbox Drive where all of the handouts are, so you can. Um, Grow an understanding on uh, certain steps and meeting rhetoric especially. Uh, Meeting rhetoric will kill you. So uh, read up on that. Um, In any case, uh, love you all. God bless and have a wonderful, wonderful day. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference.